0: Hi folks, it's Tappy here from Modern Life Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Modern Life Pod. Email us at modernlifepod at gmail.com and also check us out on our website, modernlifepodcast.com. Today we'll be talking about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is a book written by Marianne Sheffer and Annie Barrows. And we'll also be talking about the Netflix adaptation I have special book nerd Anne with me today. You can find her on Twitter at BookBakeBlog, on YouTube at Ann's Bookish Corner, on Instagram at BooksBakingAndBlogging, and also on her website on her YouTube and all her social media. Anne has you covered on classics like 1984 and Little Women, but also discusses books like Harry Potter and her take on all the boys I've loved before. And as the name implies, Anne loves to bake and read and talk about the media that we love. And those are all the things I like to do. So when you find a Dutch version of yourself online, you get them to talk to you on your podcast. Thank you so much to Anne for being our guest today. Let's get on with the show.
1: I agree with you. I'm saying that Anne is more modern modern than Emily. Right. Particularly
0: with respect to the status of women. More so than Charlotte Bronte when she wrote Jane Eyre. Very doubtful. Doubtful, doubtful, doubtful. Do, do you think, I, because I am poor, obscure, plain and little, that I am soulless and heartless? <laughs> you think wrong. I have as much soul as you and full as much heart. Oh, you <gasps> did de- that beautifully right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do, do love that. Jane Eyre. <laughs> righty, I have Anne here with me today. Hello. <laughs> Hi. What is your modern thought for us today?
1: Well, I was thinking about this, and my modern thought is about a TV show that ended five years ago, so it's not really that modern, perhaps, anymore, but I've been completely obsessed with parks and recreation for the past few weeks. Oh, did you weeks. just watch the special? No, I haven't. I'm in season two, because... Oh my um, I started watching it, I think I watched the first episode years ago, but I couldn't get used to the movement of the camera, but then I Mm. got Amazon Prime recently, and I decided to start watching it, and I don't know what happened, but I just keep thinking about it now, and I just want to keep watching it, and I think that's partly to do with the whole quarantine, social isolation thing, I think that... Recently, the series, the TV series, Netflix series and stuff have become, well, they're very high quality, but there's a few episodes and then you move on to something new because there's nothing more to watch. And I love how bingeable Parks and Recreation is. There's so many episodes and they're very short and just very funny and heartfelt. And I've just gotten a lot of comfort out of that, I think. And I think that's interesting in this weird time the the
0: special that they posted the quarantine special because everyone's been doing these quarantine specials I thought okay like it'll be it'll be fine but they actually were so creative and so funny in it and I was really blown away it was only I mean it's only a few minutes long but by the time you finish everything and you get to that special it'll it'll be a fun experience I think Parks and Rec is one of those things that'll always be around you know like the office that people always will be quoting and Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great show to choose, especially during quarantine.
1: Yes, I'm now really looking forward to the to the special, now that you mentioned that. I just found out about that today because I looked at the Wikipedia page. But yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I'm very glad I'm finally watching it now.
0: Yeah, right on. I love that one. Mine is actually also a TV show. It's called What We Do in the Shadows, and it's on Hulu, and I think it was on FX first. And it's based on a movie by uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clemens And it was a mockumentary about vampires in the modern age.
1: Oh, um,
0: yep. And yeah, the show is honestly... I thought, well, it's kind of the same joke over and over again. But then I started watching the show and they have so many new characters and different kinds of vampires. And the humor is always really, really funny. And again, it's just another one of those shows. Um, I'm still only on the first season, but... If you need something, you know, fun and light to watch, what we do in the
1: shadows on Hulu. I think I've seen some gifs or gifs of that movie, I think, of Mockumentary uh, around. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty popular on the internet. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Perfect. Um, but let's
0: transition into the main topic. We're going to be talking about the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. The book came out in 2008. And then the movie version was directed by Mike Newell and came out in 2018. So just to summarize the book really quickly and the movie, shortly after World War II, London author Juliet Ashton learns of a book club on Guernsey Island, which is in the English Channel. She travels there to make this isolated group of readers the subject of her next writing project. As she interacts with each member of the book circle, we also learn more about the herring times of German occupation and how sharing stories and poetry served as rare moments of joy amidst the horrifying realities of war. And I don't know about you, but this is a book I could just read over and over again. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) I know I made
0: you reread it for this podcast. So,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just reread it. I read it for the first time in 2018 because the film was coming out because I knew about the book... My mother had it in her bookcase and I was had always been intrigued by the weird title, but I'd never picked it up. But then the film was coming out and it was supposed to star Michiel Huisman, who plays Dawsy, and he is a Dutch guy. So I thought, I want to watch that, before, but before I do that, I want to read the book. And then I read the book and I didn't think I was going to like it that much, but I completely fell in love with it. And when I reread it last month, I finished it and kind of wanted to start again right away because it really is that kind of book.
0: Yeah, and I also really enjoy the epistolary style um, because the whole book is written in letters and journals and that's really fallen out of fashion. So it's really nice to see that again in like a modern book. You really don't ever see that anymore. Um, Something else I also really loved about the book is how it deals with these really tough subjects, but it always finds the humor and it's just so determined to be like, hopeful and uplifting you know it it's about world war ii yet you're not reading the book being like completely drained or really sad or it has its sad moments but it really balances that out
1: yes i i actually wrote something like that down in my notes as well because that's what really struck me as very special about this book i think that's partly because it is epistolary so you really get the voice of these characters And they're all just trying to deal with the after effects of the war, I think. But some really heavy topics are covered. Um, The trauma after the war, the occupation itself. But somehow it's always in a tone of voice that expresses both relief and love for everything these characters do still have, I guess. Mm -hmm. And just gratefulness as well. And the positive tone of it all, well dealing with some very heavy stuff. I just think that's what makes this book very extraordinary.
0: Definitely. Um, And you mentioned that there's a lot of characters in the book, which I really enjoyed, especially because somehow the authors of the book are able to give each of these characters a completely different writing style and tone, which I wouldn't have known how to do that at all. I find that really impressive. And then I also thought it was a good screenplay adaptation to condense some of those characters because obviously you can't have all these inhabitants on the island and they chose some really good ones and then combined some of the qualities into some of the others. Did that work
1: for you at all? Yes I actually thought they did that very well because the book like you said does include a lot of characters and some of them you only see a few times or read about a few times and I think in the film that would have come off as a little chaotic and perhaps confusing but by putting them together like John Booker and Eben Ramsey I think they're called mm-hmm. in the book by putting them together in one character as Eben I think that worked very well and th- keeping the book club small uh, because in the book there I think there are like 30 people in the room at a book club evening at some point but in the film mm-hmm. it's just these few characters that Juliet also really gets to know I think that was a very good decision, because then you can focus on these characters and build a connection with them instead of having to watch all of these different people in one room.
0: Definitely. And you just mentioned the
1: postmaster Eben Ramsey,
0: and the actor who plays them, Tom Courtney, I just had him like in my notes because he's so lovely, but also so lovable. And I always really enjoy movies that have these great roles for older actors. Yeah, because we're in this time of youth worship right now, and like it was just so pleasant and nice the way he's interacting with everyone else. And Mm -hmm. I, I really that was one of the characters I really liked watching the movie.
1: Yeah, I liked him a lot too. He was a lot different than I imagined him when I was reading the book, but that didn't matter at all because the actor does it so well and i think amelia another one of the older uh, characters oh
0: yeah i have a whole thing on here about her <laughs>
1: yeah i think she's really she was cast really well as well i did have some issues with how her character was portrayed in the film but she did the role justice
0: yeah P- penelope wilton i think who plays amelia she always blows me away she's always on point i think she's just one of those classic actors you know who will never disappoint you exactly and she actually she actually cries a lot in this movie but every time it gets me because Mm. she's such a strong woman and the way she acts it out like when her daughter dies and then also at the end of the movie when they have to tell the little daughter that the mom has passed away that elizabeth has died And there's that quote of, she's four, how much can she understand? And then Penelope Wilton goes, I'm older than time and I understand nothing. Yeah. And I thought that was a really great quote and also a really powerful moment. But you go into detail about what things didn't work for you.
1: I think it's not per se her character, but the first thing you really notice that's really different between the book and the film, I think, is when Juliet arrives ...on Guernsey, and Amelia isn't welcoming of her at all. And I think that's the first thing that was kind of jarring for me... ...because she's received very differently in the book. But that doesn't really have that much to do with Amelia as a character... ...as it has to do with how the writers of the screenplay... ...decided to have the story develop. I think that the problem there is that in the book... Juliet corresponds with these people for a very long time before she actually goes to Guernsey and she has become friends with all of them or at least become good acquaintances with all of them before she even goes there and she is invited by them to go to Guernsey. Whereas in the film, she, I think she has only exchanged two or three letters with Dawsey when she just... Impulsively decides to hop on the next boat and go to Guernsey and attend one of the book club meetings. And I think that's where it went wrong for me, because she comes there as a stranger and all these people are kind of confused why she has come to Guernsey and why she's so interested in them. And they are very wary of her, I think, most of them. Amelia definitely is, and Dawsy to a certain extent as well. The only one who really is welcoming of her is Isola who I loved as well, by the way. But mm-hmm. I think that's what I didn't like. I mean, as a film, it was it was a good film, but as an adaptation of this book, which for me really was about the friendship between these people, this was too big of an alteration for me because it really changed the dynamic and the atmosphere of the film, I think.
0: that's It's so funny that you say that because I wrote all these things down exactly and I thought that they were good choices to make for a screenplay. So like you said, she leaves um, very soon in the movie for Guernsey. And I thought mm, that's interesting because actors reading letters isn't that's not really a movie. Like it works for the book, it doesn't really work for a movie. And then they also like you said turned it into a mystery where she has to find out all these things about kid and who's the dad and why are they why don't they want the Guernsey Literary Society to be talked about, and that's not really a mystery, but I thought it worked well as a plot for a movie, and also to have the kind of evil landlady there instead of sending her letters to kind of have those interactions, and then she, you know, leaves and goes to a soulless house instead. It worked for me in the movie because I couldn't come up with a better
1: solution to turn it into a movie, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, I think... I have been struggling with this as well, coming up with a better idea. I think it's really a very big challenge to adapt a novel that's completely written written in letters. And I don't really know how they could have done it differently. Mm -hmm. But the feel of the book, of the story, was most important, I think. The film is much more about the mystery and about... Elizabeth and who she was and in the book Juliet wants to know about Elizabeth as well because she keeps hearing about her because people keep talking about her and she lives in her in her house and finds things of her and she kind of constructs a personality for Elizabeth but in the film it's just Juliet whom I loved as a character in the book I absolutely adore her but in the film she is constantly prying and she's basically sticking her nose where it doesn't really belong people don't want to talk about elizabeth and yet julia just keeps pestering them about it and that changes the dynamic too much for me and i don't know how they could have done that differently i've never written mm-hmm. a screenplay or adapted right, right. a
0: book. <laughs> There's a lot of repetitive scenes of her being like, tell me, tell me now. And I'm like, oh, she does that with each character, doesn't she? Like, <laughs> um, You are very right about that. It did work for me, but I, yeah, I totally understand that it didn't work for you. That makes absolute sense. And I also actually thought the, so I watched the movie first and then I read the book and I thought the beginning was actually very confusing because they included the book's letters but Lily James is mumbling Dossie's letter to herself, and I couldn't hear what she was saying, and I didn't know who this letter was from or how her book got to this island, or and they don't really show Dossie writing the letter until somewhat later in the scene. So I was really confused as to what was happening in the movie, which you didn't have that experience because you read the book first, but I just the introduction of the movie, I was like, where are we, what's happening... And then once it got rolling and once she got to Guernsey, then the movie
1: became really enjoyable for me. That's really interesting because I actually thought the first part of the film was really good because... Oh, funny. (laughs) Yeah, because I did read the book first, so I knew exactly what was going on. And I never really considered that it might be confusing. The things I liked about the film were the things that happened at the start, because I really thought Juliet's war traumas were very well established by her uh, search of a new apartment and then kind of panicking when she enters a new apartment and the flashback scene.
0: That was a really great scene. I actually had that written down and I was going to ask you about it too. And it's really one of the only scenes where there's a lot of action and movement and you really feel... Yeah, you really feel that pain and that trauma like you said and exactly. then you also establish that her and Sydney are really good friends. Yes. So that that scene worked really well for me and I'm glad it worked for you as well.
1: Yes, I thought that was very well done and maybe even I think the film conveys her trauma and her feelings of guilt about the war much better be, because you see her enjoying her enjoying herself. She is at these parties and with Mark who's an interesting character. But you see her enjoying herself, but feeling guilty about it as well. And I think that was very well done. So I definitely enjoyed that part of the film a lot. But as soon as she got to Guernsey, I was just very disappointed with her character development. I think that's my main problem. I don't think Juliet was done justice as a character.
0: And for me, that actually has a lot to do with Mark. I have a whole section in here, just about Mark. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, I did not like the love triangle, and it didn't work for me when I first watched the movie. Then I read the book, and then I rewatched the movie, and I kind of can identify now what parts didn't work for me. Because in the book, for example, she's never engaged to him, though he's really, really pushy. She goes to the island for work, and then when he arrives there... He doesn't ask her anything about what she's been doing there. You know, he just wants a trophy wife. He's not interested in her working at all. He just wants to be able to say he's married to this author. And she tells him to get lost right away, which I loved. And it showed this real strength in her character. And no, she wasn't going to be bullied into being engaged with him. And in the movie, I think... What goes wrong here is that there's a character in the book called Remy, and she's only um alluded to in the movie. It's the person that Elizabeth saves in the concentration camp, who then comes to Guernsey, and Juliet thinks Remy and Dossie are in love. And leaving that character out and pushing Mark into that, they maybe only did that because they had a certain amount of characters they could have in the movie. And again, I don't know what the solution is there, but I really didn't like... Juliet being engaged to him and never speaking her mind and always being pushed over by him and they tried to make him by the end just really like villainous where he like comes back for the champagne or he like straps her in really tight or you know he ambushes her with the proposal and yeah I think all those things really
1: weakened her character for me. Yes exactly I think I had that same experience because I think one of the first things I wrote down when I was re-watching the film is the fact that she doesn't even flinch when Mark proposes to her. When he proposes in the book, she isn't at all certain of her feelings for him. She just knows that they are having fun and they are having good conversations about books, which is completely left out of the film as well. You don't know what they're talking about together. But when Mark proposes to Juliet in the film... She just says yes immediately and then goes off to Guernsey. You don't see her doubting their relationship at all. And in fact, in the book, she talks about not wanting to become a trophy wife and not wanting to become just someone who doesn't think for herself anymore and become this wife to this rich diplomat. And then the film portrays her as doing exactly that, and she feels guilty for leaving Mark in London and not getting back to him when she says she will. She is kind of portrayed as this, yeah, this character who did wrong by him. And then later on yes. in the film, he turns out to be a big douche. But that's not established at all very early on, I think. And the Love Triangle just turned this movie a bit more into a generic film, I think. They needed some romance struggle there so they turned it into a love triangle and the thing that was strong about the book i think is the fact that it's not really a love triangle there are two possible love interests but never Mm -hmm. does it become a true traditional love triangle i think
0: and i also really liked i wrote down two quotes from the book by sydney who is the publisher and i thought their relationship in the movie between Lily James and Matthew Goode was so great and was one of my favorite parts of the movie. But he says about Mark, he's all charm and oil. If she marries him, she'll spend the rest of her life being shown to people at theaters and clubs, and she'll never write another book. As her editor, I'm dismayed. As her friend, I'm horrified. And then he says about Dossie when he comes to visit the island in the book, he watches her with dark, steady eyes until she looks at him, and then he glances away. And I absolutely loved getting this view through Sydney's eyes in the book, which we can't really do that well in the movie, because, again, it's not written through letters. But just how these two quotes really exemplify the people he's talking about. Yes. And how Mark really is kind of this really sleazy guy. And you said it, like, they don't really lean into that until the end of the movie. Like, oh, yeah, she was justified and leaving him and then also at the end of the movie we do finally feel relieved when she gets rid of all the flowers that are just suffocating her and overflowing in her room which is finally like a good moment but for me again it just took
1: too long to get there definitely the thing is you were supposed to root for juliet and mark at the start but then as soon as Mm -hmm. she meets Dawsy and he turns out to be a very handsome man you're supposed to be all over him, I guess. And I don't really like how that's done. No,
0: you're right, yeah. Absolutely, because in the book, right away, you kind of get that Mark's maybe not a good guy, you know? And in the movie, they go from, like, Disney prince to this, like,
1: evil guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think they try to redeem it a little bit by that final kiss on her forehead Mark gives Juliet in the film, which almost got me, but then I thought, no, he acted like a complete joke. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and just to go into Juliet's character something that doesn't work for me in lily james's acting and i really love her and she's very young so i hope she grows out of this but she sighs a lot and she breathes a lot and uh, there's an interview with emma thompson where she says don't sigh don't cry unless you absolutely have to because it has to mean something. And if you are always crying or sighing, that's all people will remember from a movie. And if you only do it once, it's like that one moment, you know, that people will always remember. And that's another thing that really just weakens her character for me. Instead of speaking up and being so dogged the way she is in the book, Lily James is always like, "Ah," you you know, (laughs) she's always like breathing hard. And I could have done with a little less of
1: that, if that makes sense. It really does. I hadn't really noticed that, I guess, because I love Lily James, so that might be a bit of a blind spot. I just, I did think she was a good Juliet in terms of the way she just shines and exudes that Mm -hmm. joy and love and care, I think. But definitely now that you mentioned it i actually it's funny you mentioned the emma thompson interview because i was just thinking about that when we talked about amelia and how she cries a lot but you believe her when she does it she does it so well yes yeah and you just know she has lost so much and she's broken so of course she cries a lot but with lily james or juliet i think it's more light-hearted or it doesn't mean that much when she does it. Yeah. Especially the size, now that you mention it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, now you'll notice it, now
0: that I pointed it out. (laughs) But again, Penelope Wilton is a seasoned, experienced actress, and she knows how to, like, yeah, maybe she has to cry this much in a movie, and she makes it different every time, and she gets you every time. And I just hope that, you know, once Lily James becomes older and gets more experience... I I love her, and I think she's on a great career path, and she's only going to get better. So it's just one little thing that always kind of irks me in her acting, but it doesn't ruin the performance for me or anything like that.
1: Okay, that's good to hear, because I loved
0: her. (laughs) (laughs) Another scene I really liked in the movie was the pig dinner. And you can't have these actors be starved or, you know, (laughs) look haggard because they're real people but they did all these little movie tricks of like the steam rising and you can almost smell like the fat rendering and the actors are all like barely responding to each other and all they're doing is smelling this pig, which I don't even know if there's real food on set, you know, but it worked so well and made that cut to life.
1: Yes, I think so too. I also wrote down that the things I loved about the film were the book club scenes, especially before Juliet arrived or in the flashbacks, and oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also the the pig eating scene, I guess. It, it just... What I love about those scenes is that it really conveys that sense of community and that sense of found family. Because that's what the book is about in the end, I think. This community and this solid friendship between all of these characters. And those book club scenes and the big dinner scenes really convey that very strongly, I think.
0: I, I am in the room in those book club scenes. Yes. Like, they did them so well, and especially for people who love books and have read all these books. I mean, I, like, cry through the whole credit sequence, but, <laughs> you know, when Eben picks up, like, Northanger Abbey and then he starts talking about Jane Austen, and Northanger's my favorite of her novels, and it it just gets you in the feels. And maybe these actors haven't read any of these books, but whoever wrote the script obviously kind of knew what they were Talking about and yes. that scene when they argue, Anne Bronte and Wuthering Heights. Yes, I was, I was almost screaming
1: yeah. in my seat. Then I thought, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when Isola jumps up and starts quoting Jane Eyre. Amazing. You know, there's, there's never like a thing of like she's quoting Jane Eyre, and you know, they, they never think that the audience is stupid, and that's something I really appreciate. Like they know we're gonna get it. Like, that scene makes me cry when she starts quoting Jane Eyre. And then when Julia jumps up and is like, yeah, maybe Anne's not that good of a writer, but she wrote about all these difficult things. I was like, like, I want to be there arguing with them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, Oh, the credit sequence. I didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but Sydney's actually there. Yes. Because they say like, oh, well done, Mr. Mr. Stark. And um, he quotes... The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. And he's all—he's also the gay character in the, in the story. And I was like, oh, that's a nice little throw in there that if you get it, you get it. Yeah. You know, I, I really like that. Like that whole credit sequence when they're quoting, like they're reading from The Tempest and I don't know, it just gets me every time. And the
1: beautiful music's going and the clock is ticking in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I love that as well. Very well done. I think maybe... We should talk about Elizabeth some more.
0: Yes, because in the book, Sydney says to her, these are all random stories and you need to tie them together somehow. And then they focus on Elizabeth because she's the recurring um, theme. She's the person everybody's talking about. And in the movie as well, she's almost this like specter and this angelic presence and somebody who's not going to compromise their morals or ethics even in this time of, like, intense crisis. And that actually worked for me. I think it can feel a little contrived sometimes when you have a character who's, like, always good and always does the right thing. But in Elizabeth, it just worked in a way that was so admirable.
1: Uh, Yes, I think, especially in the book, but in the film as well, I think what makes it so, so good and not contrived is the fact that she just can't help herself. And you see her getting in trouble and purely the fact that she was shipped off to a concentration camp because of it tells you that this wasn't the best course of action for her. But she just can't help herself. She just has to help people. And the circumstances she died in show that as well. I think that shows her not just as a very strong character, but also it shows weakness because she doesn't know when to... I don't know if it if it yeah. is weakness, but it shows that she's not just this angelic person, yeah, she can get things wrong or she this is just who she is, and she doesn't compromise, but that can also get her in trouble,
0: which the consequence for
1: that is gonna be death in a time like that, yeah, you know, there's that scene
0: in the movie where she starts yelling at the soldiers, which I don't remember that from the book, no, it wasn't in there um and i I really like that just to show her her passion. And also her, her intelligence is one of the first scenes in the in the movie when they get caught by the Nazis and they're out past curfew. And she sees one of the Nazis has like a book in his pocket. So she comes up with the story about them having a book club. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good little device
1: just to show how, how smart she is. I think that was very well done as well. And something I really didn't like, I felt almost like I had to defend her, was when Juliet and Dorsey talk about Elizabeth and this is in the film and Darcy says he feels guilty that he let Elizabeth go and that that's why she was arrested and he feels so guilty and to make him feel better Juliet tells him that what Elizabeth did wasn't fair and I almost felt like how dare she judge Elizabeth I don't know why but I felt this need to defend Elizabeth I thought who is Juliet to talk about What was fair and wasn't fair? And who is she to judge her in this? And that was also something I didn't really like because that wasn't in the book at all.
0: Yeah, it's really a strange line. And I had not noticed that until this recent rewatch because it's almost the same line that Mark says to Juliet. He's like, why are you taking care of this kid? That's not your kid. And that's almost the same thing that Juliet says to Dulcie. So I thought it was such a strange line to throw in the movie, because obviously she can see that Dossie doesn't mind taking care of Kit, and she's, like, family now, so I was like, why would they write this in here? I thought that was such a strange choice,
1: I agree with you. It was very out of character as well, and I was also wondering, what did you think of the change in the film that juliet is the one who goes in search of elizabeth and that she is ultimately the one who delivers the bad news to everyone because in the movie it's mark that does it no in the in the in the film it is juliet who delivers the bad news and who or juliet and mark together basically and they oh
0: that's right that's right and in the book it's
1: they get that letter from remy yeah that's very different.
0: I, I again, I think they did that because they didn't have time to put Remy in this movie, and there was a choice between Remy and just and Mark. Yeah, it, it didn't work, and I can see why they did it. I can see why Mark was included in this movie more, why he delivers the news, why there's this weird love triangle. But uh, yeah, again, it didn't it didn't work for me.
1: I wasn't entirely sure what I did think of it, but I did immediately notice that it completely changes the dynamic between juliet and the others the book club people because there's almost this strange power dynamic there is a short moment that she has knowledge of elizabeth's whereabouts and the others don't and she is basically this authority then that tells all these other people this news they've been waiting for for so long and i i can see that they had to do something to make it work without remy but I didn't really like it. It was a very emotional scene, mostly because of how Amelia and Dawsey and the others react to the news. But I did not like the fact that Juliet was the one to tell it to them.
0: Interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I wanted to just really quickly also talk about the sets. I know they didn't film this on Guernsey. I think they filmed it in Devon and it would probably be too difficult to get a lot of equipment out to Guernsey Island, but... I I thought you just felt like you were there. I really loved, uh, especially the set of Isola's, like, Witch's Hut. You know, with the tonics and the plants. And I thought that was really charming. And I thought just the the look of the movie really evoked the book for me.
1: Yes, I, I felt that way too. The film, and both the book and the film, almost made me nostalgic for Guernsey, even though I've never even been there. I but know! <laughs> yes, yeah, like, let's go to Guernsey! <laughs> yes. The views were just amazing, and the I think the sets exuded the right atmosphere as well for the film. Mm-hmm. Um And the beaches as well. The walk Juliet and Dorsey take there with Kit, Elizabeth's daughter. I think that was very well done as well. It all just looked very nice. Also, the London scenes... It yes, felt yeah. completely part of the story, and I think that was done very well.
0: I also really like her. She has the dove gray outfit that she wears on her way to Guernsey, and she also wears it on the movie poster. And that seems to be her color in the movie. Like the box her manuscript is in is also dove gray. She wears a lot of colors that are this gray color, and I always like that when a movie associates certain colors with certain characters. Um, and I thought that worked really well in this one. Such a lovely color, and it suits the actress so well.
1: Definitely, yes. I hadn't even really noticed that. <laughs> I never seem to notice those kinds of things. But uh, yes, I think everything just looked perfect. And it looked exactly as I imagined it in the book, I think.
0: Definitely, yeah. And also the, the contrast between the rich and poor in some of the cultures when Mark first shows up. And he shakes Dossie's hand, and they look so different. You know, he's in this three-piece suit. He's got this jacket on and these like leather gloves, and you can just feel he's this like New York City, really expensive type person. And just contrasting that with Dossie in that scene uh, again was a really cool costume detail that I really liked, and that conveyed a lot with um with no words.
1: I think so, too. That scene just made me so uncomfortable, though. That was exactly the point, of course. But (laughs) I I was just cringing in my seat. I thought, don't do this to to (laughs) Darcy," And it made me hate Mark even more. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and also um, the scene of Darcy and Juliet almost kissing. It happens in the book as well, but it's a little bit different. And it's the scene in the house, which they invented kind of for the movie... And he comes in and he's like a little disheveled and he just got done working and he picks that flower out of her hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that scene. I could watch it over and over because like there's this sizzling tension between them and you can really feel it. And when somebody is able to do that for me and have this chemistry between the actors in a scene,
1: I'm there for it. I absolutely loved it. Yes, their chemistry was absolutely amazing, I think. What did you think? This was a small thing. But in the end, when they when Julia does the proposal, it's in London. And it really bugged me that this proposal happened in London, on the docks in London, instead of on Guernsey. Because in the book, she proposes to him on Guernsey in one of the houses he is fixing up. She rushes over to him because she knows what she wants to do. But in the film, Dawsy goes after her and he goes to London and they meet on the docks and juliet proposes to him and for some reason it really bugged me that this proposal didn't happen on guernsey <laughs> it felt symbolic somehow i'm not sure what for but it it just yeah it really rubbed me the wrong way i have
0: a lot of notes about both of those scenes because in the book it's actually really funny because isola starts reading agatha christie right and she thinks she's this detective now yeah and she's trying to prove that Darcy's in love with Remy and all she can find are all these things of Juliet's over at his house and she like tells Juliet I couldn't find any proof I only found your like old stupid things there and that's when Juliet realizes that Darcy's also in love with her. And Asola is completely ignorant and doesn't get it at all, um, which is just so funny. So yeah, as you said, like she rushes over and then proposes to him and he like sprains his ankle coming down the ladder, (laughs) Yes, (laughs) which I think is so cute. And this is told from Asola's point of view. And she says, Juliet said, I want to ask you something. Oh, I thought she's going to tell him not to be a sissy. Tell him he must stir himself up and go propose to Remy at once. But she didn't. What she said was... Would you like to marry me? I like to die where I stood and just reading that proposal from Missola's view, and she's so shocked by it. Uh, I thought it was just absolutely adorable. Um, yeah. And honestly, the proposal in the movie for me worked really well of them almost missing each other on the boats and they're both coming after each other. and then the net goes up and they're both standing there, and it's complete movie magic, like it's super cheesy. And they run at each other, and she proposes to him, and it totally works for me in the movie as well. I got, like, two really awesome versions of this scene. And then also the line that Eben has where he, like, Darcy just leaves, he doesn't even pack anything, and Eben takes his tie off and gives it to him and says, don't let her marry that yank. <laughs> I thought it was really, really funny. I thought that was really cute. Yes, um, I hadn't even thought about, though, it not taking place on... Guernsey. I guess I just liked the set so much that they used twice in the movie of the ship dogs mm-hmm. that that didn't it didn't occur to me. I guess and honestly I can get sucked into those like romantic moments pretty easily by a movie so my brain's probably not working right and, and like judging whether it's good or not
1: <laughs> i think it was for me that by that point i become so annoyed with the film in some aspects that i wasn't really that into it anymore i did still it. think it was very romantic but i also couldn't really look past the cheesiness i guess that what makes i sense. did really yeah. love is the fact that they kept the line that juliet says I think she says something like, Would you like to marry me? I'm in love with you, so I thought I'd ask. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great line. (laughs) I was very
0: happy to see that line in the film. Definitely, yeah. I also wanted to mention something about Isola. Because in the movie, when they're talking on the bed, and in the book as well, Isola's a huge fan of the Mm Brontes and of Wuthering Heights. And in the movie, she says, Someday my... Heathcliff will show up and I'm all I'm thinking is I hope he doesn't for everyone's safety. Yep. <laughs> he's a maniac. And I think there just wasn't a, enough time for her like literary journey in the movie, so I totally understand that. But in the book, Sydney actually introduces Isola to Jane Austen. And again, they don't have a lot of books on this island. So whenever these characters discover like a new author, it's almost like you're discovering them together. Yeah, With the character. And this is Juliet writing to Darcy. And she says, What on earth did you say to Isola? She stopped in on her way to pick up Pride and Prejudice and to berate me for never telling her about Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. Why hadn't she known there were better love stories around? Stories not riddled <laughs> with ill-adjusted men, anguish, death, and graveyards. <laughs> I mean, I
1: get why she's angry with Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just really love that little quote from the book. I think that was very well done as well, because exactly when she said, I hope by Heathcliff comes along at some point or something like that, I really thought, Uh, are we still not over romanticizing Heathcliff as a good guy, as a romantic (laughs) love interest?
0: I honestly, I know it's, you can't say this around people who like books, but I could never finish Wuthering Heights and I, it's not a book I enjoy, honestly, though I get
1: why it's important. (laughs) It's actually one of my favorite books, but um, (laughs) I look at it a little differently, I guess. I never really saw Heathcliff as the romantic hero. He's always been this villain, but I think what I like about him is the Mm -hmm. fact that you also get to know why he's a villain and you feel sympathy for him as well while detesting him at the same time. But I guess that's a discussion for another podcast.
0: Uh, Yeah, again, it's one of those things where, like, you just want to be there at the book club and talk about all these different authors with them and, like, argue about Virginia Woolf. And there's actually a little thing I found out by total coincidence. Right after I read this book, I picked up uh, Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. And my copy of it has, like, a family tree in it or like a history of the author in the beginning and I found out that Isola is the name of one of Oscar Wilde's sisters really? yes and I wonder what other little like easter eggs I'm missing from this book now because there's a whole storyline in the book where Isola finds these letters by Oscar Wilde and they almost get taken and it's it's actually a really fun story that of course they couldn't have put in the movie because there's just not time for it. No
1: but that made me so happy, that storyline. I don't know why, but it just filled <laughs> me with joy that Isola had these letters written by Oscar Wilde and it had the story of Oscar Wilde thinking up a story for why this girl lost her cat. I just thought that was amazing to put in. Yeah, that was
0: that was fun. And again, maybe there's like other names in it and other little things that I just
1: didn't catch. No, that's a very fun fact. Oh, also another
0: quote I had written down, this was in the movie, I do not think it was in the book, and it's that scene that you mentioned already when Elizabeth drops off Kit, because she has to save the other person, and she comes in the middle of the night. And he's like, oh, why are you dropping her off here? Like, why are you doing this? And she says, because you give me the last piece of bread when I ask. And I loved that quote because... It showed their relationship, and it also showed uh, Dossie's character, just what a good guy he is, and why you are rooting for him instead of Mark.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a really great quote as well, and really showed his personality. And I just, as you were talking about that, I realized that the first time I saw the film, it felt more like a love story for Juliet, and it felt like it focused way too much on the love triangle, and either rooting for a Dawsey or rooting for Mark. But the second time I watched it, it did feel much more focused on Elizabeth and the mystery. And I think I did like it more the second time around because the first time it just felt like the story was condensed to the love story and that didn't feel right. But the second time it felt much more about to be about Elizabeth and her character and the mystery that surrounds the entire situation
0: how did you like amelia's reaction to christian coming over and being at the book club how did you like that scene in the movie of her kind of being like why are you doing this to us
1: i actually thought that was a very good scene because it shows how rough the war was and how rough it was on people's kindness as well because amelia just felt so angry at Mm -hmm. all of the Germans basically and that scene showed us that she couldn't really get over that at first but it also shows us later on when she's talking about it with Juliet I think that she learned from that and she feels very sorry about that and I think that was very well done because you see what's happening and you think this isn't the right way to go about this For Amelia, but you also understand why she feels that way. She wants to maintain control. And that was very sad. I would have reacted the same way Amelia
0: did. Especially if so many of my family, you know, all I had left was Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. So many of my family are killed because of the Germans. I thought her reaction was appropriate in that moment. And... She's completely right when she says like yeah he is responsible he is part of the problem yeah. just by being here and but then at the same time it's also more complicated than that cuz what is he going to do and yeah again i think same as the book it just shows all these shades of gray exactly especially yeah. with the you know there's no justice for the guy who informed on all of them he just keeps walking around on the island you know he's not being arrested and how do you live with these people after the war and how do you mentally even like organize all that in your mind all these like horrible things that happened and there's still all these ghosts. Yeah, I thought the movie and the book both did a really great job of that.
1: Yes, I think so too. It really that scene alone in the film showed the complexity of the situation and I think that's very well done. Definitely. Um the only last note I had was
0: Uh, There's so many quotes from the book that (laughs) I had written down. I mean, the book is just full of really great writing. There's a little storyline in the book where she had... Julian had a fiancé before that, and she Mm. breaks up with him because he replaces all her books on the bookshelf with, like, little trophies. And she just has the funniest lines in there about, like, trophies for, like, hitting balls at things and shooting birds. And she was like, what did you do with all my books?! And then later on, she, like, cries in hysteria because if she had led, if she was still with him and let him keep all her books in the basement, she would still have them after her apartment was bombed. Yeah. And it was just really early on, it was a little thing that really illustrated how stubborn this character is. <laughs> yes. And again, like we mentioned before, that was really something that was missing for me in the movie.
1: Definitely. I also had written down two quotes from Juliet. The first one was at, the very start of the book i think she writes to sydney about seeing each other again and having dinner she says i'll wear my new dress and eat like a pig and for some reason that really (laughs) illustrates why i love julia just the fact that on the one hand she does like pretty dresses she gets excited about wearing them and on, on the other hand she loves eating like a pig that just really shows the joy she has
0: yeah and also the that she couldn't have before because it was wartime.
1: Yeah, you know now exactly.
0: that finally they're all like letting go a little bit.
1: Yes. And then the other thing I wrote down was, I think it was right before she went to Guernsey, and she feels really nervous about going there. She writes to someone on the page. I'm perfectly charming, but that's just a trick I learned, and I think that really showed her vulnerability. <laughs> that she, she writes these letters, the only thing we know of her are these letters. Yeah. And she says herself that, I know I'm charming when I write, but I have no idea if that will come across when I'm actually there with these people in person. Yeah, and I thought that was just a very nice line.
0: I, I hadn't written that one down, i had forgotten about that one, that's a really good one. Because then later on, when she's in Guernsey, you get all these impressions of her from the other characters. And I think there's a scene where, like, Dossie comes in the room and Sydney writes about her breaking the china, like, the tea set, because she's so nervous that he came yes. in the room. So, yeah, she, she maybe isn't as smooth as she makes herself out to be, which is yeah. also really cute. I thought that was really nice. Anything else that you had written down? I kind of went through everything I
1: had. There was one quote by John Booker, who isn't in the film. But it really struck me as very beautiful. It's in a letter he writes to Juliet. And I don't know what author this was on, but he says, I think you learn more when you're laughing at the same time. And it's about uh, one of the authors he he's read. I think he only reads one author. Was it Seneca? I'm not sure. But he says... I know this sounds very dull, but I found it funny and I think you learn more when you're laughing at the same time. And I thought that was really beautiful because these are people who've gone through such difficult things, but even during the occupation, they found ways to make merry, basically. And mm-hmm. this quote really showed that, I think.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And also, yeah, also just how you need stories and you need literature and you need art even in times when there are other priorities in times when you're starving and your your brain and your soul still needs food as well yeah that's something we find through history over and over again and this book it almost reads like a true story which it isn't but it's just so it's just so true to all these themes that it's almost like something that could have happened
1: Yes, I think so too. And I think that quote also really just captures the feel and the heart of the story. It really is about what you just said about how books and art in general can bring people together and can bring joy Mm -hmm. in even the darkest of times. And I think that's just a beautiful message any book can have. Yeah, perfect. I think that
0: covers it. So, Anne, where can people find you online? Tell us about all your platforms.
1: Well, I'm all over the internet, but you can find me on www.booksbakingandblogging.com. That's my blog, and that's basically my home base. But I'm also on Twitter, at BookBakeBlog. I'm on Instagram, at BooksBakingAndBlogging. And I have a YouTube channel, which is Anne's Bookish Corner. And I think that was it.
0: Perfect. I I love watching your YouTube channel because we don't necessarily read the same books. So if I want like a new recommendation of something, you're a person I can always trust. And especially when you speak about... A really good example I have is like when you talk about a book that you really like, like The Hate You Give, you Mm -hmm. reviewed that book, which was also made into a movie uh you're so sensitive about the subject and you're able to talk about it in such an intelligent way that i can always like trust what you say i'm like oh she says this is a good book i should rate, you know put it on my list so and it, same if there's something that bothers you you're always able to articulate it in a very intelligent way so i would definitely recommend watching your youtube channel
1: well, thank you very much, I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: but thank you so much for being on.
1: Thank you for talking about this book with me. I had a blast, so thank you for having me.
0: I'm afraid you've yet to have the full experience. Oh, I find that difficult to believe. It's the second attack you've survived today. It's good. An authentic potato peel pie. Oh. Original <laughs> recipe, uh, no butter. No flour, no, uh, well, it's potatoes uh, and potato peelings.
1: <laughs> you want this gin quick after? <laughs>